people are just uh, relentless. You know, even if the, 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 the intensity of it or the, the, the magnitude of it has decreased mm. uh, more recently, mm. but that sentiment is still in the, in the street, right? And I think social media is the main uh, factor contributing to that mm. because every single morning, people who feel stronger about the protests, everything, they just open their Instagram and they see stories of what happened yesterday, um, protests mm. next, to, next to the bank, next to the municipality, in Martyr Square, etc. And this is just feeding the, the, the revolution, if you want to call it, one day after the other. People are fed up here in Lebanon with mm. the situation. They cannot afford it anymore. Yeah, this time it was against everybody, mm. not mm. against some party. As I told you, fed up with the situation, right. with corruption, mm. uh, living such different days than before, yes, mm. I believe in that. What is the difference between actually mm. and the old, for example, in the 1970s, yeah. there were was, there was many movements concerning the Lebanese university and uh-huh. the reconstruction of many things. Yeah. What is differentiate the actual situation compared to the old? Yeah. That the actual situation, there is no leader, no no man, no one which is pushing or guiding right. or forcing other people to to move. Right. It is self acting. Yeah. But in the in the old when we have been young, yeah. uh, always there is some someone something behind. I'm a management consultant and more recently I'm a food entrepreneur. Ferial, my name, and I'm a private banker. Faleh, I'm ex-professor at the university uh, and now I'm retired. Since there is no leadership, no leader, not, not leader as person, mm-hmm. no directive, no nothing which is going to realize this, mm. The slogan, the uh, are good, the, the uh, titles, v- very good. But you, we have to materialize, we have to realize, we have to make concrete these ideas. So to put s- these ideas, yeah. to, to, to materialize these ideas, you need people. You sure. need, yeah. So people should be there. Why? Well, actually, it's a nice moment to give maybe two opinions because you, you're describing what you saw in the 1970s, yes. so 50 years ago, yes. half a century ago. Yes. And I, I'm going to only guess some of the demands are still ch- being chanted on the streets today. They're not that much different. People just want a better life in this country. Exactly. You're talking about the, the magic of the moment, which is that it's leaderless and there's strength in that. And you're also talking about the need to translate that into a political, a more structured, sort of um, a more organized way of making this more effective politically. I want to ask you, Kamen, since you're not from the 1970s and you're somebody that walked with me regularly on the streets and we saw what your dad is talking about, leaderless. I mean, everybody is there, yet there's not one face that we recognize and identify with. Yes. Do you see that your father's maybe concerns are your own concerns, that this will not last unless it's turned into a more structured political grouping? Or do you think that that's not necessary, that 
because what you're talking about mm-hmm. is in a way I think the generation gap which is you're used to the, as a father you're used to the organized top down one leader demanding something and you're seeing the complete opposite today yeah. is there something that maybe it's unbalanced that is too leaderless or what are your thoughts on it I mean the immediate thought I don't know if it's about ha- the, the movement having leadership or not mm. versus uh the momentum just cannot be sustained at the same intensity, right? Mm, mm. At the beginning, people going to the streets every single day, and then two weeks after maybe, or even just one week after, people started going there every weekend. Yeah. And then probably the second month, people started going every other weekend or once a month or even less so. So the so momentum just, yeah. is just fading off uh, progressively, and I, that's inevitable, whether there is... Strong leadership and like, like um, a leadership that makes itself uh, visible right. or not, the momentum yeah. is just bound to to slow down uh, organically, right? Do you think it would stay alive if there were leadership, if there was something available already, or do you think that would be a detriment to it? I mean, historically, looking at how things were going, whenever there's a there is leadership, whenever mm. you have faces. A lot of effort on the other side is put to to take down those people mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. old social media posts, through I don't know compromising pictures, maybe through anything, anything. So the effort is by from the other side is becomes focused on taking down those leaders, those individuals, yeah. and with that the whole movement uh, like fades away quickly. Just like we saw maybe with the Tolaid Rihetkun, you know, yeah. they really had charismatic leadership and uh, outspoken people and I don't know like in an overnight uh, you started hearing about old social media posts and everything and the whole attention was diverted towards something completely different than the cause everyone was uh, so I'm getting maybe that there's a positive and negative to this that the positive is that it is leaders Um, I I still didn't get to the negative part of, uh, of having no leadership so something positive is that you cannot take down the whole movement by shooting down individuals. You have no leadership. The negatives of it is, you know, sometimes you have people who who are just opposing everything. And at some point you start feeling these people are negative. They're just saying, no, no, I don't like this. I don't like this stuff. Okay, what is it that you guys like? Like, fine, just taking the position of the devil, being the devil's advocate. um, people were looking for the next uh, prime minister yeah. and yeah. all what you could hear in the streets is no to this, no to that. Okay, who, who is it that you guys want? Right. That's one of the disadvantages. Uh, you have people passionate about the cause, calling for something, right. but then you, you can't really get uh, suggestions or names. Who are those people? Who will approve yeah. of them? Who will say no or yes? Who will suggest the names? That's very ambiguous. And then yeah, that's that, that's the disadvantage of right. it. And yeah. just I want to mention yeah. that people now are, are having uh, new problems in their lives, mm-hmm. like the bank crisis, let's yeah. say, and the government. They want to know who will be in charge, and uh, the global situation, the macro <laughs> right. uh, related to the region, all the Middle East. I think that's why the attention is not. Now concentration on this because you have a lot lar- longer perspective. You've seen this country try in the past, 
And I think we would agree that most of the time it hasn't worked, most of the time, that attempts at change have not yielded positive results. I don't want to be too negative, but I think that is the truth, that this country has not been working for a very long time. Of course. But, but as, as, the, as a, the, the older generation, pardon the word older, that's the, earlier. as an earlier generation, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that, I needed yeah. that word. Are you worried at all about the concerns you had in the 70s? So now we have your son, Kamil, who's joining potentially a million people on the streets in Beirut protesting. You're from a generation that saw this country turn to violence. Is that on your mind one bit this time, that this could turn violent as a result of maybe instability? Do you see that on the horizon or do you think we're immune to that, that we're not going to go back to a not necessarily a civil war, but civil unrest. Do you see that violence is potential this time around? I think, I think the, this potential might, might be uh, possible. Mm. It means that there might be some violence, yeah. not because of the people who are moving, mm. Mm. because some interfere, and some, some people mm. might, might interfere and might create some th- this problem. Right. And this is related to the idea that I go, I'm going back a little bit for the le- no leader for this movement. Mm-hmm. I think there will be no leader in the mm-hmm. future, mm-hmm. in the close or in the uh, far future, because especially in Lebanon, uh-huh. yeah, first of all, there will be no leader because of one thing which is now occurring and which was not in the 70s or 80s the communication the multimedia the the information the information mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now is decentralized yeah in our days in the 70s it has it was centralized the information right and information centralized information needs some leader some hierarchy to to distribute this information are you talking now, about are you talking about communication with with leadership that we can all with leadership or things. with the population uh-huh. so yeah. since everyone is talking about with everyone yeah. so there is no need for leadership and right. there will be no leadership because of the decentralization of information now because yeah. of the media yeah. which is are facilitating that more than that in Lebanon there will be no leadership because we have the problem of religion and confession and, mm-hmm. and the, so the, each, each leader yeah. if he is going to, to raise and to, to become leader he will be put down like Kamil said by other communities so because so of the yeah. multi-sectoral situation in Lebanon and because of the centralization of information there will be no leader no leader it means every small community of a small group might do whatever he want and there will be some day somewhere someone will go to violence so in this other, is so in other I, words it's really a it's not it's neither a positive or a negative moment it's just a very different stage in our history that yes. things have fundamentally changed yes and we don't know whether it's too early to tell if this is something better or worse long term you know i i'm somebody who's a little older than Kamil, but younger than you. I'm kind of maybe right in the middle. I've seen identity 
emerge this time around. And for me, that's one of the hardest things to identify in this country is identity. And I think it's always in the background that we're talking about what it means to be Lebanese. And then one sentence after that, it gets complicated. And this time around, it felt, at least superficially maybe, just by looking at it, it really felt like this is one nation at one time all doing the same thing. And this may, have, this may be uh, very easy to explain. It could just be watching it on TV and seeing every different city protest the same way, which is unusual in itself here. Tripoli, Tanabati, and Beirut, and the whole country. That was, I think, very special. As somebody who's seen attempts before, and this time that happened. But even then, it's hard to locate what Lebanese identity is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that maybe needs to be answered. Maybe that's a door that you can leave open. But it always helps to have some clarity once you get in, like maybe a common understanding. And I think, this is my opinion, I personally think food is the sweetest way to celebrate Lebanon's history and its current identity. Is that a statement that's too romantic or do you agree with that sentiment? No, it is very... You, you, your description is very accurate, mm. very correct, and yes, what is common concerning this uh, Lebanese is the food, the way the food is done, the way the food is is treated, is mm -hmm. eaten, is prepared. So this is some common. You yeah. go, you go to this village, to another village, with different, different uh, mentality, different, mm -hmm. all, all completely different, mm -hmm. but. With the food, you realize they are almost equal, almost the same, almost... And it's not something you can negotiate. It's not like our food is better than your food. No, it's the same food. Oh, sorry, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just... Uh, to that point, it's funny because there is some food competition. You know, you get someone from Hasbaya and someone from Zgarta and have yeah. them compare olive oil. Right. Uh, the, you know, it's not going to be... Or the kishk. Or the kishk. But that's it's the, not going to be a friendly conversation. These are the these are the healthy differences. Yes, yes. Yeah. But I, what I wanted, I mean, you you articulated the whole um, relevance and importance of uh, food mm -hmm. heritage in a very beautiful way. I think the only thing that I can add to what you said is uh, um, even when there is differences when it comes to food between different regions of Lebanon. Those differences are celebrated by people and not uh, their points of uh, divergence. You know, mm -hmm. you get someone from Beirut who goes to to Pshari or uh, yeah Pshari and they try macaron, yeah. betum. They they never had it before. They're like, oh, they they they're curious about it. They want to try it. They right. they enjoy it and they go tell others about it. So differences are celebrated. Right. There are differences, but they're. Points of uh, meeting and not points of divergence. Yeah, you yeah. can look at positively. Yes. Exactly. Right. And the the competition here you say about you talk yeah, about it. It is based on some ego, yeah. <laughs> ego background, not politically or exactly. not because of uh, religion yeah. or or, right. or yeah, uh, right. uh, class, social classes. No, because of I prefer my my food. And you prefer yours, right? So the, this is the competitivity, and uh, that's it. And which is what? healthy, which is good, positive. And the other differences are not necessarily bad, because it's it's great to have a country that has so many different communities living together. Yeah. But that unfortunately always takes a political tone in this country. 
Whereas food has never been politicized. Food is actually kind of safe. It doesn't, I mean, you, you can't wage a war based on whether or not your Zed Zaytun is better than <laughs> mine. Exactly. Or maybe you can, but it would be a losing struggle, right? Because nobody would, I mean, you, yeah. you can have different opinions. Honestly, uh, Ronnie, mm. we thought about this thoroughly and uh, other than food, the only thing that might be even close is music. You know, at some point sure. you had Fairuz, yeah. Rahbane, yeah. Milhim Barakat, also these are names and... Uh, But I want to challenge you on this point. I, okay. I thought the same thing yeah. as, as somebody who's younger and didn't always think deeply about it. Even someone like Fairuz and her son, Ziad Rahbane, have unfortunately, unfortunately, maybe they are not trying to be politicized themselves, but they are now considered to be a certain sort of yeah. political type of musician, even though their music is just music. Am I overthinking that? Or? No, no, you're right. I mean, probably the Rahbani brothers mm. uh, elevated mm. above that, or Milhem Barake. Yeah. More right. recently, you're right, there has been some feuds on this. Yeah. Oh. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's music and uh, and food, but more so food. Just like you're saying, it's right. it, like really, even uh, something like friki that is predominantly present in south of Lebanon yeah. within the Shia community more so. It's never thought of like this. You know, someone exactly. from Kisirwen yeah. coming like, oh, friki is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe they haven't tried it before, just heard of it. It's yeah. uh, those differences are healthy. They're nice. They're celebrated. Now I'm. fortunate to be talking in your shop, which I think is in itself a celebration of different geographies. I'm just looking at the wall, and I, I've been here before, but I've seen what I thought was quite telling. You're identifying where each different type of food comes from, and they're not all villages that I know. I mean, these are particular villages in certain areas. Is that a deliberate thing that you guys did, that you wanted to celebrate different geographies in, in addition to the food? Or is it just by chance that this is where the food comes from? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about the way you're addressing Lebanon's geography, because it's very clear where each one comes from, and I like that. I like seeing where it's from. Is that a deliberate way of celebrating? Definitely, definitely. Mm. Um, just to take a couple of steps back, um, we really wanted to celebrate Lebanese identity mm. and then food was really just like you said the best way to do it and we opened a retail shop you know mm -hmm. it's not a restaurant mm -hmm. a retail shop to collecting Mune products from all over Lebanon can you tell me about that Mune products Mune, yeah. Mune is in itself it's a very traditional very a concept very much linked to culinary heritage mm -hmm. it's uh, our grand our ancestors Um, started that concept out of need. Mune is the art of preserving food mm -hmm. for long and harsh winter times. Right. So uh, we're talking um, drying vegetables yeah. or pickling vegetables in vinegar or mm. um, pickling vegetables in oil like mm -hmm. zaytun mm -hmm. or turning vegetables or fruits into vinegar like apples. Honey is mune. Even awarma. Yeah. Right. You cook yeah. lamb meat in its own fat, yeah. so that it it uh, you can preserve it for all the whole winter without needing a fridge. Yeah. So our ancestors needed that. Actually, when we were at a hotel in Balbak, Palmira Hotel, one yeah, of the of course, oldest sure. hotel in yeah. hotels in Balbak, 
there was a guy there, very super nice guy called Ahmad. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, he passed away recently, but he was he was an icon for Palmyra. He's been there for 50 years, wow. welcoming everyone, serving everyone there. He was an icon. And then he told us about times in Baalbek when they used to be stuck in their houses for more than two weeks with snow covered, yeah. covered by snow. Right. And times like these, you don't have, you only have access to Mune to eat. Yes. This is when right. they started having labne, ambaris, and awarma, and uh, and you chose jams. you chose that area of cuisine d- deliberately. You deliberately, wanted, because yeah. these are the products that you can collect from all over Lebanon and right. and share them with everyone right. on a wide scale. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can't really have sayediye, and it, it's just much easier to focus on Mune products. Right. And uh, to your question about be this being being deliberately covering all regions of Lebanon, I mean, just like a superficial yeah. way, I'm just yeah. looking over. Yeah. You see, uh, you see, Kfadibian, Beirut, Zgherta, uh, Alei. It and that's one little shelf. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it would have been much easier to just get everything from Ah Beka. You know, uh-huh. it's yeah. uh, you have most Mune there and you just go to one or two sources you collect everything but that's not the point really right if there's an amazing product in Fardibien like I was going to uh, ask you if Hashish is Mune too but I don't if, know about that yeah, <laughs> I mean, not, it's not legalized yet so sure. we don't have it <laughs> does it fall under Mune? If you want, sure, okay. depending on your definition, okay. <laughs> we don't have that. Just that would be a very interesting for, for shelf the record <laughs> at the top. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's a, you you're oh, picking and choosing. So we actually put effort mm. to covering more villages and more areas to make sure most parts of parts of Lebanon are actually uh-huh. represented in our shop. And right. we're constantly scanning more villages and really trying to cover the whole Lebanese map. But can I ask you, how do you do that? How do you actually, I mean, it's a small country, but it's a complicated country. And it's not always easy to go from village to village and approaching people and saying, I'm here to celebrate you <laughs> in a shop in Beirut. So how, how do you do that? What is the, if you, if you permit the word politics of that, how, how, do, you, how do you handle that? When you ask any, anyone in, in Lebanon or outside, for example, I would like to have the water blossom. Mm-hmm. They, tell you directly, go to Magdushi, which is next to Sidon, for example. Uh-huh. If I want, I would like to have some rose water, mm-hmm. they told you to go to Bika'a, some specific village in Bika'a. So, 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 so different villages are recommending each other? So, so this is one criteria. Uh-huh. Another criteria, for example, each kind of product mm-hmm. is uh, depends on the kind of soil, the 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 climate the uh-huh. way yes. it is prepared by people the the so we we would like to have some different kind of preparation for the same item same right. same money right. this is why we ask and we make tour it took us more than one year and this year only to to have the tour and to to search and to taste and to look and to you spent one year but before wow. before wow. that year each one of us know something in his background his, uh-huh. in his just wanted to say that people when they came when they come and they see products from the mm-hmm. villages they uh, if they are from certain village do you have something from our village <laughs> And then they right, enjoy right. a lot when you tell them that you are from Balbek. Yes, we have this. You know, they so enjoy. So they, they're eager to also yeah, provide. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Wow. There's a big the, sense they of like the variety. Right. 
we're a family really passionate about food. So even before deciding to dive into that uh, project, we already had solid sources for different products. So we right. started with that small circle of producers. Yeah. And then we did a lot of research to understand what are the products that we want to bring to the boutique. And mm. for each of those products, what are the regions that are mostly known for that, you know? I see. And for some products, we went for the typical, uh, typical, you know, first thing that comes to your mind, just like my dad says, mazahar. Everyone, I mean, depends. Some people say magdushe, some people say almun. If you're, you're from Tripoli, I, I'm guessing... So, but that's interesting. So yeah. there, I mean, this is a, an evolution of your own personal curiosity exactly. about food. Exactly. So the shop is a byproduct of your own interest. Exactly. So I want... I say, I'm, I've only known Kamil for a year. So I would like to maybe get your own backstory. Is this a shared love that you both have? Or is it something that you came upon later? I mean, what, why did you end up in this in this world? Um, I know from Kamil's photos that I see on Instagram that this is a very family-driven uh, thing because you're always eating together, you're sharing food together, which is a great thing to do. But I, I can only imagine this started before Kamil was born, that you guys were always sort of passionate about food. Yes. I have my studies in Paris in the 70s. Mm. So in the 70s, I have been in, for three years in the campus, in the university campus, and I have I should cook in in the in the Maison du Liban, the, the in the where I I am living there. We both lived not, in, we not both every lived, day. We lived in the same place. The same place. Okay. This is in Quartier Latin. Twenty years ago. And in, the, in this campus, that there is, kitchen, there is lot of, in the lot of houses. Yeah. And many houses have it's the the restaurant and yeah, the kitchen yeah. and some specialty for this. So you you cooked in that kitchen of the house. No, no, in, no. not in, in my in the common kitchen. Yeah, yeah, but com yeah. Usually every Sunday, not mm. every, not, not all completely, but usually some Sundays we are group. And everyone is going to bring something and prepare and we cook and we share all together wow. the, the, this food. Even though someone preparing his PhD at that time is, was ready to, to, to roll the, the uh, vine leaves yep. With, yep. to stuff and the uh, zucchini and uh, yani making some, some very difficult uh, these, these were kind of other food. other Lebanese students, or these were all, just all, 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 all Lebanese. Lebanese. Yeah. All Lebanese. So, so you did you take that with you from Lebanon to Paris? No, I I I have little bit of yeah, very small experience, mm. but there I have some passion for for food. Okay. And every time someone is coming from Lebanon, yeah. my mother sent to me some food, and when he's arriving. All the group, yeah, our yeah. group, all are meeting in, in my room to share this food. Can so this, this kind of love for food, yeah. it is, it, it was there. And this is 1970s before the war or during the civil war? After, yeah, April okay. 75. So just after the war started, you went to yeah, Paris. I, I went. I have some uh, bourse, uh, which is. Uh, Grant, grant from the Lebanese uh, University yes, yeah. to have my PhD in, in Paris. Now, so, can I just pu push a little further? This is almost 50 years ago, so it's, it's yes. quite some time. Do, do you, I'm only guessing that the Lebanese that were with you 
are not all one type of Lebanese. You had different sort of yes different communities, different different, different religion, different parties in the in the Maison du Liban in the Lebanese house. Right. There is Qatar. <laughs> Uh, yeah. there is where no Amal, no Hezbollah no, at right, yeah. that time. But the and, that. and in this, in Paris, you we are a little bit close to the 68. The movement in the 68 in Paris. So there is some, some reaction, some uh, movement. So I'm curious, you go to Paris, there's war in Lebanon, there's no social media, but you know that there's a war happening and you're able to catch it on the news sometimes in the newspaper. You see that people are killing each other in Lebanon. In this little house in Paris, when you're cooking together, was food a unifying factor for you as students? So in other words, you're talking about kate'ib and potentially, you know, murabitun sitting together, eating the same food. And was that sort of a way to bridge these people together? Yes, mm. sharing together. There is some conflict, but between Kutaisians, some some civilized conflict. Uh-huh. Yani there is not, not, not fighting uh, there. I, I remember when, when were you all when, cooking together in the kitchen? Yes, yes. That's interesting. So I remember yeah. one 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 thing still in the, in my mind. In <laughs> Paris, you are not allowed to buy a chicken, a live chicken, live chicken, yeah. and to kill it yourself. Kill it right. in order to to eat. It. Yeah, it's yeah. not allowed there. Yeah, some <laughs> people, <laughs> yes. some people living with us yes. is trying to buy. It's chicken <laughs> and insist to kill it, <laughs> to, to cook it and to eat it because he would like to kill it. <laughs> 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 Already, or did you learn how to cook when you were abroad? I learned. You learned. I learned learn by practicing. Right. Yes. But it, okay. So it wasn't your family that was no. Very, I, when in, when I live in inside on Lebanon, yeah. I didn't cook in the uh, okay. at home. Yeah. I, after that, when where I have got married, so yeah. free free stopped. Free <laughs> Is, uh, we, and we share together this okay. uh, skill. I didn't cook at home when mm. I was uh, still with my family, my mm. mother. Mm. I didn't used to cook because, you know, I have to go to school, then university. I had no time. And my mom, she was uh, she was doing everything so your mom was, by herself. was yeah. cooking yeah. at home? Okay. But, but she used to put a complete meal every day for mm. us. Mm. So when I got married, I uh, bought a cooking book and I worked on it and it was great. But I just want to tell you an accident with what happened to me Can first it. time. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> is that is a gift from God. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> Thank you, Fifi. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I wanted to make some lentil soup. Yes. So uh, the lentil, they, they were with some salt mm. because to, to, to save for a long time. I cooked the lentil and the soup was very salty. Uh, so I add some sugar to it. <laughs> <laughs> to try to neutralize it, yeah. yeah. So, but, but did you have, living inside that then Beirut during the war, was food part of your life? Or is that something that comes just later that you wanted to 
at some point open a shop. I mean, we're, I'm curious about the beginning of this story. What what is the sort of what drove you to do this as a business? It was Camel. Camel idea, yeah. Okay, so this planning is, so your and idea. everything. Let's int- okay, I didn't know that. Actually, uh, both of my parents are really family people. Yeah. And we used to bond as uh, we still do, bond as a family over food. So besides mm-hmm. the typical meeting over lunch or dinner, we used to, I don't know, on Sundays go have manushe at this amazing guy in Bikfaya okay. or uh, yeah. or more recently once a year when both of my brothers are in town mm. one of them lives in Lausanne another lives in Paris mm-hmm. when they're in town all of us cook at Taule we make a guest chef appearance right. at Taule bonding as a family and we're using food and enjoy enjoying food you saw your parents raising you this way with the love of food and you mm-hmm. decided then we could do something else which has maybe turned this into a Exactly. A, a store you know, and a shop. Yeah. Coming back to during a difficult time, it's difficult being a, in Paris without money, but I think it's more difficult coming back to Lebanon at times of war. Yet you succeed and you get married, you're living together, you're struggling, I'm guessing, like any Lebanese would during those years, and we have difficult years of history. Yet you're able to sort of keep everything together and you raise a family in Lebanon. Those were dark times, and I'm too young to really remember how painful it was. Although I do have memory of the 80s, but they were, they're bad memories. They're not good memories. Fast forward today, 30 years later, 40 years later, you have a son who's pursuing a store, a, a business, and encourages you to be part of that store. And you tell me if I'm wrong. The economic situation today may be as bad, if not potentially worse, than those years. That things are really economically, uh, everyone's struggling today. There's a lot of pain. Can I ask you, this time around, are there ways to ride out the economic crash that we're all going through at the moment? Do you trust that the Lebanese traits are all that it takes to sort of live through this moment and get to something better? Or are you personally, privately, are you afraid that this time is really, really bad and things are going to only get worse over time? And the reason I'm asking is because you have the long view. You've seen good years, you've seen bad years. I'm trying to put this moment in perspective. I, I think many, the main difficulties concerning uh, Lebanon, our, our community, this is that the, we, we are some community that exp- importing a lot of things, mm. more than this community needs. And this import, foreign product, foreign tools, mm. anything, mm. it's going to... Uh, we, we are going getting suffer to, to, to suffer from such kind of, of import that we get. Are you, are you talking about basic about things like uh, anything, anything, anything? All things. So with our experience, with our experience here in the in the shop with the camel with the food, we we realize that now now people if people are going to go back to roots like we say. In healthy for, food. 
healthy food, not mainly healthy, healthy food, to instead of buying some cheese from France, mm. we can go to some village and buy the cheese from this village. So if we are going to go local, yeah. instead of importing a lot of things, things from outside, mm. it's, it, this is one kind of one, one line that can solve the so economic you, situation. So now. you see potential hope there that we're going to start yes, buying yes. from within. Well, and this shop, mm. it, this is and this shop, learn me and tell me such solution is very important and very good and, and it is feasible and it is it is realistic and it might it might be there and instead of buying a lot of cars you can relay instead of buying for example buying uh, generators for for electricity you can, we can use our uh, rivers or our uh, some 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 clean and some good some healthy in food or power or resources all all, all of these might solve the economic situation and the crisis that we are suffering now from i think it's good to hear an earlier generation be that hopeful because I don't usually get that I get sort of the more pessimistic it's nice to hear that there's an optimistic view here that maybe it's time to actually look inside as opposed to outside being hopeful for the business uh, versus not uh, um, by design it's not that we wanted the business to be like that just to endure such times mm. but like the way everything unfolded we were fortunate that uh, our whole business model is based on sourcing products from the inside. We were definitely affected by the whole economic downturn and people's limited access to money and everything. Yeah. But I think we were less affected compared to the to other businesses that are completely based on imports, importing so products. So in a way, you're shielded from the bigger economic... To a certain extent. Right, to a certain right. extent. Yeah. Um, but I mean, also, it makes you think, just sharing thoughts from our experience, even in our business, where people would think 100% of everything in the store is local, we have our jams in glass jars, and then right. our yeah. supplier of glass jars is a factory in Bedewe in Lebanon, uh-huh. but then not all of his jars are produced in Lebanon, just a very small part of it. Like, right. I right. mean, in Lebanese economy, the deeper you dig, you will always get to a point where something is imported. Why don't we have a mm. factory that produces glass jars? What do, why do we have to import? Right. Factory means employment, means productivity, means diversifying away from mm-hmm. services only and tourism, you know? Can I ask you, though, your maybe shared opinion here? Why do you think we're so dependent on imports? Is it the way the economy is structured that it doesn't encourage domestic growth? What is the... I mean, because to me it's a bit... I'm confused a bit that Badewi factory is importing from abroad. Mm-hmm. That to me is surprising. It would be very strange to not be able to buy jars only made here. Why do you think that's the case? This is due to colonization. Mm-hmm. To, to, sorry? Colonization. One day there is some and Lebanon usually is is colonized by others, such that you sh- should rely on them. You cannot uh, you cannot be auto satisfied or uh, auto self satisfied by by. Uh, is this an issue that goes back to your earlier years that you, I mean, 
when you were younger, did, was this a similar problem that things were being imported? Yes. Okay, so this is not something new for Lebanon. It's uh, it's an old it's issue. Old, yes. uh-huh. But okay. I also think, Ronnie, by, by design, <laughs> the Lebanese people has a very strong affinity to commerce, yeah. doing business rather yeah. than production. Right, right. There's some agriculture. Hospitality. Hospitality, you know. Yeah. So if everyone wants to like do commerce, make business, like who's going to make the products? Maybe it's just historically we've been a port for the whole mm-hmm. region. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, also we have more limited space compared to other countries. But I'm yeah. curious. Is it, is and the politician also. Yes. They want every time uh, somebody, let's say they they want to build some uh, factory, they do want him to pay him 20%. Okay. The one who's... Uh, so corruption is part of the problem in yeah, terms of, course. of manufacturing yeah. in Lebanon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So to your question, uh, politics are discouraging people from building factories rather than encouraging them right. because of corruption. How has corruption impacted you no need to point the finger in one direction i'm just curious in the in the experience of opening a store uh, forget yeah. the revolt forget the revolution yeah. just how has corruption played there, a, there, yeah. there there's there's there are international indices uh, one of them is the ease of starting a business mm-hmm. and in countries like the uae they rank extremely high because everything's uh, digitized, uh, centralized, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can do most of the paperwork you need online and then you can set up a business in a couple of days maybe, as opposed to us starting this really family business that is uh, a small business. Uh, It it took us a lot of work. Every single step you need to reach out to different parties and and, uh, they're extremely slow in moving. Mm Not to say sometimes you really hit a roadblock and then you need to get creative and how to get things moving still, you know, like setting up the sign for the shop. Yeah. I mean, it was a nightmare. Can, can you, I mean, okay, I don't want to put you on the yeah, spot yeah. here. We don't need to go into sort of, uh, I, I don't, Okay. forget the subject, forget the names, right? Just yeah. that experience. Yes. You, you're describing it as a nightmare, right? Yeah. That's just a sign for a shop. Yep. So can you tell me about that? What was the nightmare? We were planning to open the shop in January 2018, okay? Okay. So yeah. sometime in early December mm. 2017, um, uh, no, sorry, we, we opened the shop in January 2019. So a month, okay. yeah. like six weeks before that, mm-hmm. we decided to apply for the permit to install the sign, hoping that in a couple of weeks we will have it installed and then you open the shop, you have your sign set up and and ready which doesn't then, sound like a big uh, no you know it's just a small little yes yeah it's just simple a simple step a yeah. step yeah, and yeah. then you go online or you right. talk to your lawyer you get what the do- needed documents required documents mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. you secure everything you put everything in a nice folder and then yeah. you go apply for the permit and then we open the shop and then it's it's been operating for four weeks six mm-hmm. weeks mm-hmm. with like two months operating still without a signed shop because one, we refused to install a sign without getting the permit, and two, we still haven't gotten the permit two and a half months after uh, applying for right. it. Right. So let me ask you then. Two and a half months, yeah. you're waiting and waiting, and you're getting nothing in return. Yeah. Is that part of the corruption story that you simply have to bribe to get the sign up? Or is it not that straightforward that you just I mean I don't know what the motivations are or the backstory behind mm. what I've been facing but I can tell you that 
following the process linearly um, yeah. it just didn't work so this is where you need to get creative talk to people ask what needs to be done to have this yeah. executed and then you and I, you get that, what you need I'm, I'm assuming here you're saying that you're unable to do it the correct way you have yep. to kind of figure out the softest incorrect ways of getting something like a sign up yep okay something basic something basic but yeah. I would like to add something mm. which is very bizarre yeah that little bit close to Beirut the same problem yeah is not there it means that a shop can open can put a sign within days mm-hmm. and it is done mm-hmm. and some people are where I asked him how long it t- took you to to have he he say, he asked me is is it a problem within two days i uh, i did it and no no one is uh, telling me asking me doing anything it is uh, yeah. it is done so not question corruption it, it doesn't mean that here they need money to to allow us to do it if even though with money it, we cannot do it so it's not about necessarily bribing it's just about there's no there's no system, system. there's yeah. no system the problem yeah. of, of system right right every location every uh, region have some its own system yeah and there is no general rules no supervision no uh, right and this leads to the corruption now that is not that that's a year ago that you yeah. opened yes. the store yes. right you're opening it during an economic downturn i mean you're opening it when things are not healthy and fast forward a year later we just went through an economic we're going through it it hasn't crashed yet but it's on the way do you sense that long term that these issues they're very basic issues you're talking about something that has very little to do with politics or even they're not they're small simple things you want your sign <laughs> and you want it set up the right way and you just want things done on time this minor issue do you think that that is on the table where people are now demanding those issues and that let's say a year from now that it'll be easier to do something like this i think this is where i mean very nice transition back to thaura and the whole yeah. movement happening personally after having setting up everything mm. uh, we haven't been engaging much with the public sector you know on mm. permits mm. and everything yeah and it like makes me extremely sad to say it but most private businesses in lebanon they just want the public sector to stay out of their way you know like uh, we we right. do things on our own right. they just do the bare minimum to be um, regulated and you know yeah. uh, but they just want the public sector to stay out of their way and this is how what we want as well which is very unfortunate but i'm hearing mm-hmm. from friends who still uh, have to go through some processes yeah. and apply to permits and everything in light of the saura yeah um and all people on the ground calling out uh, corrupt people or inefficiencies in certain departments and right. ministries and public uh, functions the 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 employees public uh, servants or public employees and public entities have became became really more efficient or oh. became more responsive i i have been hearing positive feedback about 
So you see, about so you processes. See that there is some. It's very indirect, uh-huh, but yeah. I think it started. And also, I don't know if politicians now really feel that eyes are watching them and yeah. they really weighing uh, decisions and moves before right. making them. Right. Because people are now more easily calling out uh, what they see. So you need to have the bare, like the minimum infrastructure, yeah. legal yeah, yeah. infrastructure, uh, physical infrastructure ready to have a country, and then maybe in five, ten years we can hope for the public sector to. So you don't have necessarily hope for the near future. Not for the near future. Do, do you guys share the same opinion, the way Cam is describing it? Unless there is some. change in the top top يعني, the top of everything for example if we have a minister which is going to act correctly as as a system yeah this will have some some result concerning all the ministry right so the same with other with any institution So if there is some correction in the top, mm. there might be some some correct. For example, this sign, we we hope that problem of sign can be solved as as significant as as example. Yeah. If the top of the uh, municipality is going to put things right, put things right, it means what to do a system. Yeah. This system works work like this. If you come, you or me or Kamer or she, the same process is going to run. Right. It, it is not, now actually, with you, it is going to act in a certain way, with him in a different way. Right. So there is no system because of the, uh, the, the builder of the system is not doing his job. So there's a lot of work to be done. Is this something that got worse? Yes. Or is it always It's been getting there? worse. It got worse. Yeah. Can you take me back just briefly to just before the war, you're a student about to leave to Paris. Were these issues discussed or was it okay? Were things functioning enough that people were not complaining about these things all the time? In the old days, there's no uh, spread of information. For example, right, I, right. I live in a certain area, certain region. I don't know everything. But I mean, something so, simple like putting up a sign in the 1960s, was it such a complicated it was, issue? It was better than the old days, it was better than now. Yes. I never hear my grandmother, she's still alive, in her mid-80s, I never hear her complaining about the simple things, which to me is telling. She always complained about the bigger things, whether it's Syria, whether it's geopolitics, or it could be Iran, it could be America, it could be Israel, the Palestinian issue... But she never complained about something small, like, you know, I want to just get my municipality to do its job. And I think I get the feeling that it's just gotten worse and worse and worse over time. But there was, it was tolerable to a point before. And then, and then after the Civil War ended, do you remember it being as bad as it is today? Or was it, was it better than today? It was better. It was better? Yeah. Okay. I think people It's get, getting worse with the time. I think the reason is that now people knows more than previously. Interesting. In the old time, 
Yeah. You don't know, for example, that there is a rule telling you to uh, work like this or to do things like that. Right. You don't know this yeah. rule. Yeah, yeah. You don't know that you have this right. You don't know that these people should do things like that. Mm. So he is doing wrong, but you don't know it is what is right. So you don't. You cannot judge. Uh-huh. Now you know. Since you know, you know what's wrong. What's wrong and, and what's you right. can't do it right. <laughs> Since, so you 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 can protest. Yeah. You can tell. You can uh, act. Yeah. So not, it is not question because old time or recent time because of the spread of knowledge, the and people usually uh, the the concept of the, of family, of school. Institution. Yeah. There is one boss, one decision maker, one the the head of the family yeah. is doing that. So you have to obey. You don't you don't have to to discuss. You don't have to protest. Right. This is the, this is the rule. But he he might ask you to do something wrong. Yes. Since he asking you, he telling you, he obliging you, as father or as. Uh, boss in the company or in, the, in, in your uh, institution or as director of school or university now you know what are the rules what, what should be done what so should, uh, awareness has made corruption more visible yes exactly okay and the, the corruption with the awareness and the spread of information the corruption is the, the synergy power yeah. is going to be to increase I have a distant memory of my father telling me when he went to AUB in the late 60s, early 70s, that not one student would even think about parking the car incorrectly on Bliss. Everybody was afraid of getting a ticket. I mean, you double parking on Bliss, and it's like, that's just 40 years ago, but it's still quite telling. I mean, you can triple park on Bliss today, nobody will tell you anything. That you, if you violated the law, you'd get a ticket. It's a simple example of now you can get away with pretty much the basics. Yeah. Yeah, Yet if you want to put up a sign, you have to sort of zigzag through a labyrinth of, of chaos. And uh, we had more discipline before, and uh, you get punished if you do something against the law. No, no, it's not the case at yeah. all. Yeah. That's why we have this. What you're describing is a demand among protesters, that there's a yearning for a normal country. I, I, I mean, I hope that one day I, I live to see something like that. I know that it's, a, it's impossible to predict what will happen in the near future. I think it's probably both good and bad things will be happening for, to this country. And I, I really hope that optimism and hope prevails because all of us have that within us. We're all hoping. And we've seen some marginal improvements whether it's the municipality more inclined to fix problems today. It could be marginal, it could be very small, but it's, it still matters. And I know that, Camila, you work in the Gulf and you come back every weekend, which I think also indicates just how, how inclined you are to not let go of this country, that you yeah. still return. So that's a good thing. And I, hope, so I just hope your shop and what you're doing here uh, survives all the turmoil that we're going through. It's a young store, and I, I hope to see it here the next time I come back. Thank you, Fadia. Thank you. Thank you for your time and for your effort and for your vision. You're very kind. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, thank you for creating Camel. Thanks to God. And last word, thanks to him. He's doing, he's offering us something to do in our end of life. You said you could... Oof. No. Wow. That's much better <laughs> than I, I was just going to say thank Camel for the shop. But you know what? Let's do it with your ending. It's much better. Farah, Fidel, Camel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.